Welcome to all of you this morning as we continue to move into this season of Lent. It was great to be able to celebrate with a number of you this past week at Ash Wednesday. And now as we are going into this season of Lent, I want to invite us in this season to really enter into a time of reflection with one another. And we're going to do that in a variety of ways throughout this season of Lent. So to help us get started, I want to invite us, first of all, this morning to focus on these words as found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I invite us today to begin to reflect on those words as we share together in a word of prayer. Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Today is a significant day for us for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, we rejoice that today we get to celebrate with 14 different confirmands, those uh, students among us who have been taking a journey of exploration and intentionality in, in their faith and reaching the decision to want to join in full discipleship in the local church with us here at First Church. Uh, this is no small thing. And so I hope that you'll just offer a word of thanksgiving unto God and to help us not take for granted the joy of having all of these young people among us taking this significant step of faith. So we celebrate today for that reason. Another reason that today is significant for us is because it is the first Sunday in Lent. And so uh, we did just celebrate Ash Wednesday this past week. And for those who are able to share in that time, you will remember one of the significant things that we do on Ash Wednesday is we take ashes and we administer them on one's forehead to be reminded of our own mortality. Because we remember that in the season of Lent, it's the six-week buildup to Holy Week and then Easter as we prepare for the life and the death and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Typically then, Lent is a more somber time of the year where we take time with intentionality to reflect on our shortcomings and our fallenness and our brokenness before God to prepare for this journey to the cross. 
So today is significant for that reason. We get to celebrate with our confirmands. It's also the first Sunday in Lent. And then also today is significant because we begin a new sermon series together. Every year we take time to discern and to pray and to make our best guess in conjunction with the Holy Spirit of what topics and what passages of scripture that we should focus on in the year to come. And so today we are beginning a sermon series that we have prayed a lot about. We believe it's incredibly important because it's gonna involve a topic that affects every single one of us either directly or indirectly. Now to help us get our minds around this topic, and I will confess to you it's a heavy one, I'm going to share something that happened in my life just a few months ago back in November and around the Thanksgiving time period. Jen and I used to live in Altoona, Pennsylvania. When we were there, we became great friends with some of the folks who helped turn the church around that we were serving at the time, and their names were Brian and Terry. We end up growing very close with them because we had a lot of natural life rhythms that we're sharing in together. And so Jen and Terry became pregnant at about the same time. Their daughter, Michaela, is only 10 days younger than our daughter, Alex. And then later on, we had our two boys and they had their son, Mason. And again, they were about the same age. Our kids were the very first ones in the nursery uh, when at the time there were no other kids in the nursery. We went on mission trips together. Uh, Brian ran the sound, did a lot of the technology at the church. We were in a life group together. Uh, We were at their house more times than I could count. And specifically when it came to Brian, there was nothing that he couldn't do. Uh, He was such a gifted individual. He was artistic and he was handy. He was outgoing and he was fun. He had a laugh that just put everybody at ease. He was warm and charismatic. Brian, just an amazing, amazing guy. And over the years, we've not been able to see Brian and Terry as much as we would like because they're doing life and we're doing life and we live in different locations now. But this past Thanksgiving, we had a chance to share Thanksgiving dinner together. And it was great. We laughed together. We talked together, we connected. And I remember on that day, as we were getting ready to leave, the very last things that we said to each other were, let's get together soon. I gave Brian a great big hug and he gave me a great big hug and we were excited to see each other before too much time would pass. It was really great. So you can imagine my horror, my true horror, when less than a week later, I got a call from a pastor friend of mine in the town that Brian and Terry live in at almost 11 in the evening. And the pastor was calling to tell me that my friend Brian had passed away. And that he had passed away because he had taken his own life. I was utterly shocked. There have been less than a handful of times in my entire life where I have let out an audible gasp of shock and horror and surprise and grief. This was one of those times. I was so loud in my groan that night receiving this news on the phone that Josh came from downstairs asking if everything was okay, and Jen came out from the bedroom because she had heard me and was everything okay. And of course it was not. It was truly, truly awful for all of us, for everybody who had known him, and especially for Terry, his wife, and their kids. 
no one had any idea of the extent of the depression, the mental anguish that Brian had been dealing with and carrying for a long time, and the weight of it all upon his own soul. Such is the nature so often of mental illness. Mental illness is a devastating reality that affects all of us in one way or another, again, either directly or indirectly. And it really can be a matter of life and death. Mental illness is not a topic we talk about as much as we should, and we rarely consider what Scripture and what Jesus have to say about it. I think it's appropriate then in this season of Lent, which is a more natural time of reflection and which is more somber in nature and which we are open and we confess before God our struggles, that we take some time to face our brokenness. And one of the ways that we can acknowledge that we are broken is when it comes to this issue of mental health. The reality is, oftentimes when it comes to worship, maybe quickly in prayer, we'll quickly mention a struggle or two, but we certainly don't dive deep into mental health issues. We prefer to keep moving right along. And the truth is, it's hard to face our brokenness, but God does not shy away from our pain. This year, weeks from now, when we finally get to Easter, we're going to celebrate the healing that Jesus offers because of his conquering of death through his resurrection. But we cannot experience deep healing until we first face our brokenness and our woundedness. And so that's part of what we're gonna do in this season of Lent so that we can then get to the healing. It might be hard, it, it will be painful, but it will be worth it. And I realize we need to proceed with caution because this is a heavy topic. But as Jeremiah 6.14 reminds us, you cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. Lent then is going to be a time for us to acknowledge the mental health issues and struggles that are there for so many of us, and to acknowledge that in the end, Jesus can heal our wounds. Today, we're simply introducing this topic, and then in the weeks to come through Lent, we're going to dive more deeply into God's Word and explore what God's Word has to tell us about mental health. And we'll explore topics such as anxiety and depression and feeling overwhelmed and dealing with shame and so much more. The issue of mental health has been around as long as there have been people. However, it's only been very recently in history that it's become something that people have started to be willing to talk about. And we need to talk about it. We need to do something about it because so many are struggling so significantly with it. For generations upon generations, because of the stigma around mental illness, so many people have had to suffer in silence. And because we haven't fully understood it, we, we tend to shy away from those things we don't fully understand. It's interesting to me, we don't seem to have much of an issue, usually, talking about our physical issues. We talk about our physical health all the time. So if we need surgery, we let other people know. If we are sick, we let other people know. In fact, a friend of mine recently on Facebook mentioned that he would be getting a colonoscopy. Now, that seemed a little far to me, but the point is we don't seem to mind sharing some of the physical things we're going through. We're not, never embarrassed if we mention about needing to get our broken arm fixed. But it's different when it comes to the issue of mental health. For those of you who have some kind of a smartphone, you know that our phones sometimes can get a glitch. 
when that happens, we get it fixed. We call IT or we, we do something. We don't just ignore the glitch and hope it magically goes away. Uh, confessionally, I usually wait too long hoping it'll magically go away, but of course it never does. Well, our minds can sometimes glitch as well. And when that happens, we need to pay attention to the glitch. We need to get steps to help us deal with the glitch. I wish I could tell you that as a result of one sermon today or even this one series, that it will give us an immediate answer and an immediate healing to every single mental struggle we face. But of course, that's not possible. But what we can do, we can name the problem, we can see what God has to say about it, and move on from there. Because when we can name something, then we can navigate it. And so today we're gonna name this issue of mental health and mental illness and start to explore ways to navigate it. We're gonna spend most of our time in this series on what God has to say about this issue as we dive into God's word together from a faith perspective. But before we do that, and because this issue is so important, I just wanna give us very five, five very quick practical tools that we can be aware of. And these fall outside the range of a focus on the faith realm. And I don't have time right now, like I said, to dive deeply into them, but I do want to name them so that if we're somebody right now struggling in some form with mental health or mental illness, to at least be aware of these five things that immediately we can be aware of to help us in that struggle. So number one, we want to find meaningful in-person relationships. Now, this is pretty obvious, but it's important that we have other people to talk with and to be with. And when I say this, I mean face-to-face. A crying emoji is not the same thing as receiving a hug or hearing the words, I love you. So find meaningful in-person relationships. Maybe this is why Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, to bear one another's burdens. Number two, get enough sleep. Sleep is a natural way for our minds to be cleansed every 24 hours. There are actually chemicals that basically wash our brains as we sleep. Every sleep cycle then is an opportunity to have our anxiety lessened and to be filled with more peace. So take some naps, get at least seven or eight hours of sleep a night, do those things, and it helps lower us in our anxiety and other issues that we might struggle with from a mental perspective. Number three, commit to proper exercise and diet. Again, pretty self-explanatory, but as my cross-country coach in high school used to say, if you put junk in, you're going to get junk out. We just feel better if we eat right and get some exercise because the exercise actually releases chemicals in our brains to help us feel better. Number four, seek out proper mental health assistance. Talk to a counselor, talk to a therapist. Sometimes our brains fall into particular patterns. Counselors and others can help us learn to rethink in new ways. And finally, number five, utilize proper medication. No one thinks twice about taking medicine for colds or the flu or treatment for cancer or diabetes. And yet when it comes to mental illness, we often have a resistance to sharing into whatever medications we might need to take. If you are struggling with some form of mental illness or anxiety today, please, with proper consultation, consider taking a right medication. Now again, we're not gonna dive into all of those topics. We're gonna focus on the faith realm. But I did want to mention those so that if we are struggling today, 
please look in the direction of those five things I just mentioned, along with this faith perspective that we're going to bring. I really appreciate the way that Robert Whitley, a psychology scholar, says it. He says, higher levels of religious belief and practice known in science as religiosity is associated with better mental health. In particular, the research suggests that higher levels of religiosity are associated with lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance, use disorder, and suicidal behavior. Religiosity is also associated with better physical health and subjective well-being. In light of all of this, it's important to realize Scripture has more to say about mental illness than we might think. The Scriptures give us a refreshingly honest and authentic account of the struggles that come with mental illness and anxiety. People throughout Scripture have dealt with anxiety and grief and depression and trauma and all kinds of other elements just like they do today. That's why we hear in places like Psalm 42, verse 3, these powerful words of emotion. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Do you hear the anguish and the despair? There's no quick answers being given there. Psalm 22 verse 1 gives us a preview here at the very beginning of Lent of what we're going to hear from Jesus at the end of Lent when he's hanging on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? You can hear the overwhelm. You can hear the deep depression. You can hear this almost sense of hopelessness from Jesus in those comments. When we look throughout Scripture, some of the major characters of Scripture have struggled in significant ways when it comes to mental issues. Consider Moses and Elijah, two of the largest figures, most important figures in all of the Old Testament. There were times when they were so filled with depression and overwhelm, they prayed to die. For Moses, it was in Numbers chapter 11, verse 15, when God's people were complaining and asking for food after being freed from Egypt. And Moses is like, I've had enough. I want to be done with this. For Elijah, it's in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, where after this great victory, he's now fleeing for his life from Queen Jezebel, who wants to kill him. And Elijah again is like, I've had enough. I don't want any more of this. Even Jesus prays from the depth of his despair that he might be delivered from his circumstances. As the cross looms, he's so overwhelmed. He says, my soul is overwhelmed even to the point of death, according to Matthew 26, 38. Today, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, but we're going to begin in chapter 14. And this is one of those more famous stories of Jesus where he comes walking to his disciples on water, these disciples who are frightened. And in this story, we encounter one of the most powerful realities of how Jesus relates to all of us in the mental illnesses that we might be struggling with. I just read the story for you a few moments ago. And right before this encounter that we hear about of Jesus walking on the water, Jesus has already had a full day. He's performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which is probably 10,000 or 15,000 when you include children and women. So it's already, again, been a full day. Then Jesus sends his disciples on ahead of him out on the Sea of Galilee while he spends some time alone with God to commune with God. 
But then you heard what happens. A storm comes as the disciples are in the boat, and it's no small storm. They think they're going to die. They are afraid for their lives, really. And it's dark. In every way, it's dark. It's the middle of the night. Their hearts are heavy with fear, and there's a rising hopelessness as the waves crash against them. It looks like there's no way out in the midst of this raging storm, wave after wave after wave, utter darkness. And in the midst of the darkness, Jesus comes to them. And he comes in the most unexpected way, walking on the water. Now, in their fear, the disciples are not seeing clearly and they are not thinking clearly, which is no different from you and I in our fear. And they think Jesus is actually a demon. They, may, they mistake the deliverer for a ghost or a demon. Now, that's a big case of mistaken identity caused by their fear and irrational thinking. And yet Jesus reassures them to take heart. It's me, he says. It's me. But notice the waves are still continuing. The storm is still raging even as Jesus comes to them. And then Peter, being Peter, asked Jesus to prove himself by having Peter come and walk on the water to him. Jesus obliges Peter and invites him to do exactly that. And so Peter starts to walk on the water for a bit. But again, the waves continue. Jesus is there. But the waves are still there and the darkness is still there. And then Matthew chapter 14 verses 29 to 32 share it this way. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, finally, only after all of this do we hear, and when they climbed into the boat, then the wind died down. Now, here's what I want us to notice. The storm has still been raging this whole time throughout the night. The disciples have been afraid, and yes, Jesus comes, but even as Jesus comes, the waves still rage. Jesus sees them and the waves still rage. Jesus calls to them, and the waves still rage. And even as Jesus is coming to get into the boat, the waves are still raging. Only after all of that does the wind finally die down. I want us to understand this is a picture of what Jesus so often does in the dark storms of our lives. It's not that Jesus cannot stop the waves and the storms of life immediately, but more often than not, Jesus meets us in the storm, in the darkness, to walk through the darkness with us. In the dark storms of our lives, Jesus always comes to us. And Jesus always sees us, whether we feel his presence or not. He does not leave us alone. He shows up. He walks with us so that even in the very darkest places, whether we feel it or not, we can know we are not alone. There is no place so dark that Jesus cannot and will not meet us.
And notice that for Peter, as long as he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, he was fine. The key was not the stopping of the waves or the stopping of the darkness. The key was keeping eyes fixed on Jesus even in the waves and even in the darkness. So that with our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can face any difficult or dark circumstance somehow. I know the desire for so many of us, whatever storm we are in, whatever darkness we are in, is for them to just stop, for the circumstances to change. And Jesus can make that happen, but more often than not, because we live in a broken, fallen, hurting world, because we live in a world that is not perfect, those storms more likely than not are going to continue. And yet Jesus promises always to meet us in those storms. And that will always, somehow, even when we can't fully understand it, be enough to get us from one moment to the next. Somehow, it will be okay. When it comes to mental health, this is so often how Jesus works. Meeting us in the struggle, reminding us we are not alone, and getting us from one moment to the next, to the next, to the next one step at a time as we rely on his strength and know that he sees us. Somehow he will create a way, and maybe not even on our timetable, but he will. Sometimes he'll make the storm stop, and sometimes he's just going to keep walking with us in the storm, encouraging us to keep our eyes on him no matter what, even as the storm rages. I mentioned my friend Brian and his wife Terry at the beginning of our time together today. And as you can imagine, it, it, it has been a living hell for her and for her kids these last number of months. It's been an agonizing storm to walk through. And yet one of the ways that Terry is moving forward is with a focus on Jesus, keeping her eyes on Jesus who meets her in this crazy, hard, dark storm, as painful as the storm is. I had reached out to Terry prior to today. I wanted to ask her, would I have your permission to share some of your story? Because I wasn't sure, because this has been so incredibly difficult. You know what Terry said to me? She said, you can absolutely give an overview of my story. You can use this however you are led. Because I know that in the darkness, God wants us to lean on him so he can bring help and healing and light. And I want to be faithful in any way I can to spread the love of Jesus. Terry offered those words in the darkness of the storm she's going through. And I think the only reason that she can offer those words is because she is keeping her eyes on Jesus even in this storm. Just over a month after Brian's passing, Terry had put some of these words on a Facebook post that she shared, and I just don't think it could be said any better than what Terry shares here when she said, I miss my best friend so badly. Today was hard. Jesus, therapy, and the love we continue to receive from so many of you is helping us. Please keep praying.
to me, that seems like such an amazing summary of what it means to, to live into dealing with some of the heaviness of the mental anxieties that we go through, recognizing Jesus who comes to us in the storm, utilizing therapy when we need to sort through the heavy emotions, and knowing we're not alone, that the, there are others who will walk with us in tangible and loving and prayer-filled ways. Those are always key elements to helping us deal with any grief, any depression, and any mental heaviness that we might be carrying. Today, I don't know what mental issues you might be carrying or struggling with, but I pray today that you can realize that you need not carry those burdens alone. And I pray that you today will know that Jesus sees you. Jesus comes to you. No matter how dark the darkness may be, and no matter how strong the waves may be crashing, Jesus sees you, and Jesus is with you. In the name of Jesus, let us receive the healing that only Christ can provide. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today, as we get ready to go forth, as we move more fully into the season of Lent, a time of self-reflection and confession before God, let us go in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus sees you and Jesus walks with you no matter what circumstance or storm in life you might be going through. And today, may that give us hope and move us towards healing in Christ. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.